Well, I don't think I've ever heard Chris sing that low. Man. <laughs> that was awesome. Y'all did a great job, guys. Thank you. Oh, man. Well, this is a... Uh, Today has been a day that I have been looking forward to for for quite a while. Uh, I told Robbie and the uh, staff, uh, you know, when I were meeting Monday, that I have been waiting three weeks to preach this message. Three weeks. I'm like, wow. It's been bottled up for three weeks, so I'm going to try to condense this and make sure that we get all of this done in a timely fashion. Uh, But this morning, we are concluding our series uh, in dealing with where the Spirit of the Lord is. This morning, we're going to look and we're going to see where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is love. For the last few weeks and the last times that I have preached, we have preached about, or I have uh, preached about where the Spirit of the Lord is, the impossible is made possible. Uh, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is a call, and that call is for us to spread the gospel. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom to follow Jesus Christ. There is freedom to stand firm on His foundation. There is freedom for us to proclaim Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And through that, we find that we are children of God. Through being His child, we are free. From the bondage of sin and slavery. Slavery to the things of this world. This morning I want us to look and I want us to uh, think about this. And if you can turn to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. We're going to start off in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 10. And I want us to go here. Andrew, is this slide not there? You're two behind, big guy. Uh, you know, so whenever we look at this, uh, Paul is going to tell us why he is writing this book. And he says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus, of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no division in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and in purpose. So that's why he is writing this, is so that we can be of one mind and of one purpose, be of one heart. Uh, There is supposed to be unity within the body of Christ. Now, whenever we look at the body of Christ and what the body of Christ is supposed to do, sometimes we get confused and we get a little mixed up and we begin to do things that we're really not supposed to do. One of the things that I want us to understand is that we are not supposed to save anyone. 
that is not our responsibility. It is God's responsibility to save them. The only thing that we can do is we can love them. And then that takes me to this fact that if we boil ministry down to its very basic thing, ministry is nothing more and nothing less than making connections. We are supposed to love one another, and by loving one another, we make connections. Don Stewart, the, you know, Don's preached here twice. Don has driven all the way, he rode his motorcycle all the way to Meridian, Mississippi, so that we can have a motorcycle Sunday there. Don and I made connections in Charlotte Trinity Church of the Nazarene some 15, 20 years ago. He still gives me the same bear hug every time we see each other. It's making connections through Jesus Christ. But in those connections, we are supposed to do the next thing. We make connections with everybody or we make connections with people that God has placed in our lives and we make those connections so that we can then connect them to God. I think I need to repeat that. We make connections with the people that God puts in front of us and has in our lives so that we can connect them to Jesus Christ. That is all we're supposed to do. We are not supposed to judge them because they're not. We are not supposed to tell them that if you were been walking with Christ for this long, you shouldn't be struggling with that. We are just simply supposed to make connections with them, and we're supposed to hold their hands and walk with them as they connect with God. And the more and more that they connect with God, the more and more that they grow closer to God. But it is not our responsibility to make them grow closer to God. It's only our responsibility to love them through the connections that we've had. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is love. Thank you so much. Making connections. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is. There's love. Paul tells us in chapter 12. At the end of chapter 12, he says there's a better way. There's a better life. But before we get there, we're talking about one mind and one purpose. And then chapter 12, verse 6, Paul comes in and Paul tells us something here. And he tells us about the gift that God gives to us. It says God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. So what's he saying to us? We can see through this right here that we have to get this understanding that God's the one that's doing the work. There again, making the connection. And that's all we're doing is just simply making the connection. God's going to be the one that does the work. 
It's not me. All too often, us as Christians, we, we get mixed up whenever we talk about discipleship, right? Uh, you know, what is discipleship? Making connections with someone and walking with them in this relationship with Jesus Christ. That's all it is. Do you have to be able to quote scripture? No. Sometimes it might help. Most of the time, it's not even needed. They just simply need someone that they can connect to that can help them to connect to God. But God's the one that's going to be doing the work. The next thing that we understand that we see from this right here is that He is working in all of us. Right? Regardless if Don still looks like he looks 15 years ago, God is still at work in Don. Scripture tells us that the work that he has begun, he will see it to the end. Let's be honest. A lot of times, we want to see people react to God working in their lives the way that we do. Right? If there's a song that blesses me and I, and, I, and I just have to raise my hands and praise God for it. If there's someone standing next to me and they're not doing the same thing. We're like, oh my goodness. I've heard it said and I refuse to say it. I refuse but I'm going to use it as an illustration. Because we look at them when we say, my goodness, your wood must be wet. Right? Preachers say it. I've heard it all the time. If that didn't bless you, then your wood must be wet. Well, I'm sorry, but that just didn't bless me. And no, my wood is not wet. There's certain things that will bless you that doesn't bless someone else. And just because it doesn't bless someone else doesn't mean that God's not at work in their lives. We have to allow God to do the work. It's not us. And it doesn't look exactly like we do. And as a youth pastor, I really struggle with that. God finally looked at me and hit me on the head one day and he said, hey, he said, it's my fingerprint on their lives, not yours. If we want them all to look like us, then it's our fingerprint. It's not God's. Okay, I got to move on from here. Because the next thing, which is what I was just talking about, it's different ways. He's at work in everybody's life that has received him as their Lord and Savior and that has followed him and it is still studying with him, uh, you know, and still walking with him. He is working in their lives, but it's different from the way that he's working in your life. It's different from the way that he's working in my life. But he is at work. He's at work. In verse 7, it says, a, spir a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can do what help each other 
So the gift that I get or that I have is not a gift to glorify myself. It is a gift that is supposed to be used to help other people in the church. So if you were gifted as being a teacher, then you need to teach the people in the church. If you were gifted at prophecy, then you need to use that gift to the uplifting of the kingdom and to build the church. If you are gifted as a leader, you need to make sure that you use that gift to help out others in the church and not just to make you look better. The gift that we have is given so that we can help others. But we forget something. Who gets a gift? Everybody. Everybody receives a gift. So, if you're sitting here this morning, and you're like, oh, I I don't have a gift. I would employ you to search, because God has given you a gift. That's one of the things that we also see in here is that we need to diligently search the gift that God has given to us. And whenever we diligently search for the gift that he has given to us, we need to diligently work at that gift. I hope and pray, Amber, That you are not the same teacher today that you're going to be five years from now. We have to continue to cultivate the gift that God has given to us. I have told you all about my singing ability many times. If not, you get to hear it one more time. Because it was a gift That I believe that God gave to me as a young gentleman in high school that I did not use. And to this day, Peggy still says, keep his mic turned off if he's singing. It is a joyful noise that only the Lord should hear. If you do not cultivate or use the gift that God has given to you, he will take it away from you. And if he takes it away from you, then you are not able to help the church and the people that God has placed in your path the way that he needs for you to do it. So this gift of love, when do we receive this gift of love? I believe that every person, as soon as they receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, received the gift of love. Scripture tells us that if we do not love God, 
then we do not have love in us. Love is a gift from God Almighty. We cannot love the way that God truly wants us to love without Jesus Christ living in our lives. We can't do it. Corinthians chapter 12 verses 27 and 28. It says all of you together are Christ's body. And each of you have a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. Now get that. That God has appointed for the church. Also get that it's some. It's not all. Some of the gifts that God has appointed for the church. First are apostles. Second are prophets. Third are teachers. Then those who do miracles. Those who have the gift of healing. Those who can help others. Those who have the gift of leadership. Those who speak in unknown tongues. These are specified, specific gifts that God has purposely given for the edification and for the growth and the building of the church. Now we also know that with that last one, as far as the unknown language, that God also tells us that there must be an interpreter before the unknown language can be used. the unknown language we have a Hispanic church that meets in the fellowship hall y'all all know that right they've been meeting there for how long a year and two months I have been trying to learn Spanish for a year in two months it is still an unknown language to my ears. See, si, Senor. Gracias. And then they go into this language and this conversation that I'm like, yeah, okay, good, yeah. I love you too. I don't mean to make light of speaking in tongues. But that is an unknown language to me. I can't speak it. But I do believe that God does give us a language that's in between us and God. That is used in our prayer closet. And it could be the fact that uh, you know sometimes you're just simply there and all you can do is sob uncontrollably. But God knows exactly what your heart is saying. So we need to move on. Verse 31, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gift. What's the most helpful gift? Anybody? Love. So 
we should earnestly desire the most helpful gift. We should desire a gift or a gift from God. We should develop that gift. But how? Or but now let us show and this is this is a more passage of that scripture. You got it there, Andrew? But now let me show you a way of life that is better than all of this. So this way of life that's better than all of this is talking about those gifts that was listed prior to. So in verses 27 and 28, those gifts from the Spirit, he is saying that I am now going to show you a better way of life. We go to 13, chapter 13, verse 1. It says, if I could speak all the languages of the earth, of earth and of angels, but do not love others, I would only be a noisy, a noisy, uh, yet yeah, noisy gong, and or clanging cymbals. Chapter thirteen has this title to it: "Love is the Greatest." Love being the greatest, love should be the gift that we desire most. Another reason why we should desire love as being the most, uh, you know, is I don't know of any person that does not have love within them that can be of one heart or one purpose and one mind with a large group of people. Have you ever seen that accomplished? Because if you don't have love, then of course you're only going to think about yourself. And if somebody else has a different uh, you know, uh, idea of how the church service or how church should be ran or what should be done, uh, you know, then what you do, and you're only thinking about yourself, then you are not going to be like-minded. It's got to be your way. It's got to be the way that you think that it is. Verse, chapter 13, verses 4 through 7, tells us what love is. It says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It is, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice in injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. And always hopes and endures through every circumstance. Do I need to read that again? Because I think that should have been a really good amen there. I'm not going to bore you with it and read it again. You got it in your scripture and we all know it, right? Uh, you know, but love being patient and kind. You know, we, we dissect this and we break this down and it says that it, it has to be patient and it has to be kind. You can't have your own way and be patient and kind. 
It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Hmm. Is that really hard? Is it hard? Uh, you know, one of the translations that I really like says that love, uh, you know, where there's love, there's self-control. How many people do we meet on a daily basis that do not have self-control? We don't have self-control. We holler and scream out at cars that cut in front of us. Now, I have to say this, okay, because I did it. We're trying to take the, uh, you know, the stuff from the ladies, uh, you know, yard sale yesterday, uh, you know, and we took it over to this one place and it was already closed and I was okay with it and we get back and we're, I'm following Miss Jeannie. Uh, you know, and here you got this blue SUV that for some odd reason is going to pull over into the fast lane in between me and Miss Jeannie. I'm following her to make sure that I get to the right place. Now, I've only been in Rock Hill for two years. I should know Rock Hill, right? I'm trying to make sure that I get into the right place. And this car gets over in the fast lane and slows down. Because the car that was over in the slow lane was going too fast for him and left him in the dust. I was like, really? Now, that one didn't really get me all that bad. It was whenever I was trying to follow uh, you know, Courtney and Chase to the restaurant yesterday for dinner. A, a, I drive the speed limit. A car pulled over in the fast lane in between me and Courtney and slowed down. They were in a... They were in a convertible of all that, of all my, somebody driving slow in a convertible. I was like, man. So I did it. I lost control for a little bit. And what did I do? I pulled over into the slow lane. I gave it the gas so that, my loud, so that Peggy's loud mufflers would rumble as I passed this convertible to show them that they were going too slow. Love is supposed to be self-control. Supposed to have self-control. Supposed to be patient. I was supposed to patiently wait for that car to actually turn. I couldn't do it. I was stressed out this week. I don't know. I... But if we're desiring the greatest gift and we're desiring love, hmm. can I challenge you with this? Because we have to cultivate it. Because God gives it to us. But we might not be the patientest person in the world. He says you need to have patience. Uh, you know, we can't be rude. Uh, you know, but sometimes we're not rude by what we say, but by what we do. Husband and wives, 
it says that we are not to keep record of being wrong. Whenever you get into an argument with your spouse, what's the first thing that you do? You bring up the last argument that you had, right? But remember when you did this? Love keeps no record of being wrong. Whenever you have a discussion about it, that might be just a little heated. It's over with. And it's done. Not to be brought back up anymore. But to take it away from spouses, because we do that to our friends and stuff in church all the time, don't we? Don't we? We we do it. One of the things that really kind of gets me, and you can put it into whatever category that you would like for it to go into. It's whenever there's someone that is leading a particular event. Let's say vacation Bible school, for instance. And you're sitting out there in the audience. And you're like, hmm. I wouldn't have done it that way. Well, why didn't you do it? Oh, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not a leader. I'm not a leader. But I wouldn't have done it that way. What about churches that have fallen out because of somebody picked a different color carpet than what they did. Oh, I'm not going to be on that committee. I'm not on the decorating committee. I don't have an eye for that stuff. But that's ugly carpet. That is ugly carpet. Okay, all right. Enough about the tough stuff with, with love. Because if we have love, it, it really benefits us. It really does. Because where there's love, there is always, always faith. There's always love or hope. (laughs) And remember, Scripture says that these three things, remember these three things last forever. It's faith, hope, last forever Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 and 23 and I'll end with this for you this morning says but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness And self-control. There is no law against these. Love. 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 If anybody ever asks you. What does ministry look like. At Rock Hill First Church of the Nazarene. Please, please.
please tell them it looks like making connections. I'll connect with you and I'll help you connect with God. But we can only make that connection through the love of Jesus Christ that he gives to us as a gift so that we can do the work that he has for us to do. Amen? Let's stand.